Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thanks for tuning in to the 43rd episode on September 28th, 2021. Let's talk about the proclaimed complicated and high maintenance maidenhair fern. Not only can you listen to the podcast, you can find more on houseplant-homebody.com. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC. And go check out the blog posts that are associated with all these podcasts as well. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to this podcast, my blog, and social media posts. You can also help support your favorite podcasts and blog by joining me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. And if you just can't get enough, I send out a bi-monthly newsletter on the first of every other month, also with exclusive content and some updates on what's been happening in the previous months. All right, let's dive in. We're getting into one of the most complicated houseplants out there. The funny thing is, I don't think it's that complicated. I just think it's high maintenance. So there are a lot more aspects of this plant and needs that the plant needs that people might not be able to provide it constantly. So that is why it's considered a difficult houseplant because it is a little bit, a little bit, that's an exaggeration. It is a lot more high maintenance than your normal houseplant. I am here to tell you that you can do it as long as you're willing to put the effort into it. So let's get into varieties. There isn't a ton out there and it was kind of different based on where I looked, but I found consistently a few different varieties. So the first one is Adianthum ethiopictum, which is known as the common maidenhair fern. More than likely, this is probably going to be one of the more commonly found ones in houseplant shops and places that you'll be buying these as a houseplant. This one was one of the two varieties that was found in Plantopedia, which is a book. Um, It's basically like a plant encyclopedia. It was published just in October of 2020. So that is where I've been getting all of my most relevant plant name information. So this plant was in there. The other one is Adiantum tenarum, which is called the brittle maidenhair fern, and that is also one of the more common ones. They look almost identical. It's hard to tell the difference, but there are some slight care differences here and there, but overall, very similar care. The other resource I actually found very helpful was North Carolina State University. When I went on their website, I was searching botanical names just to see what I could come up with. And there were a few on there, but ones that coincided with other online research I did was Adiantum radiandum, which is commonly called Delta maidenhair fern or Pacific maidenhair fern. And then the last one is Adiantum capillus veneris which is commonly called Southern Maidenhair Fern, Venus's Hair Fern, or Venus Maidenhair Fern. So those are the four that I'm just listing online and talking about now. The top two, the common and the brittle Maidenhair Fern, are the ones that were talked about in Plantopedia. The last two were talked about on North Carolina State University, assuming that those are probably the varieties that are most commonly found in the boggy areas in the southeast. So Those are the variety names. Those are the common names. All of them are green and they have ginkgo-shaped leaves or fan-shaped leaves for the most part. And they're all very, very delicate plants. Delicate meaning that their leaves are super lightweight. 
Their stems are super thin and lightweight as well. There are cultivars that are considered variegated as well. So I have a snowflake maidenhair fern, which is just a variegated maidenhair fern. I actually don't know what Latin name it is, what botanical name it originally stems from. I'm guessing it's one of the first two we talked about, but I'm not 100% sure. It wasn't detailed on the information I was given when I got the plant. It was just called snowflake maidenhair fern. So there are other cultivars out there, but mostly you'll find them in just plain green or you'll find them with a white variegation. That's all I'm really going to go into it for this aspect of it. I have a little bit more at the end about the variety or just the way they look, but it's super simple. Not a lot to it. They're very lightweight plants, very delicate plants. So let's jump into the sun requirements. So this is also pretty straightforward, honestly. These maidenhair ferns prefer as an indoor house plant to be in bright, indirect light, and that is best for them. They're going to grow the biggest, the largest, the variegation is going to come through the best, but they can handle a medium light as well. You may see them getting a little leggier, not as full, but they can handle a medium light as well. So if you're finding these in their native habitat, usually they're in moist areas that are a little bit more shaded, so the medium light is where that comes into it. But for the best result, bright indirect light. I would not put them in direct light if possible, simply because they can fade in color. So mine, for example, is in a south window, and I've noticed that it's not as brilliantly green as it probably should be, and that is because it's in that south window. I kind of have to leave it there because it's next to my humidifier, but I have it pushed back a little bit from the window hoping it won't get as much sunlight. So that's sunlight. So let's move into water requirements. And I'm going to say this and say it twice. This is the key to your maidenhair fern success. I repeat, this is the key to your maidenhair fern success is literally water requirements. And I can't stress that enough because this is literally the only thing I changed when I bought a new maidenhair fern and tried it out. So these plants need consistent and constant moisture. When I say consistent and constant, I mean you should have this plant sitting in a saucer of water all the time. And if it's not, then it's gonna turn brown. Now, browning leaves is common on these, so it shouldn't freak you out too much if you are giving it consistent moisture, but your plant will die if it does not have constant moisture. So the first time I had a maidenhair fern, I kept it, I kept it in a north window. Okay, that was another factor I changed, but it was still growing fine. It was nice and green, totally fine. But when I waited like a week to water it, more and more stems and leaves were just browning and dying. So when I tried to get a new maidenhair fern, I did my research and a lot of places said, as long as you keep it consistently in water, whatever you have to do, that's fine. Other books and resources I saw online said that you can keep it moist by just watering when the top, the very top layer of soil dries out. To me, I think that's hard to gauge and that's a lot more maintenance than just leaving the plant sitting in water constantly. That's how I've made it lower maintenance. I currently have it. The plant is probably about eh, maybe a three, four inch pot right now, just the plastic nursery pot. I left it in there. And it's sitting in about a six inch plastic saucer and I just fill that sucker up to the top and leave it there. Now there is some algae that grows in there because it's, you know, sitting water and it's by the humidifier. 
I did have it in a four or five inch saucer and I filled it up every day, but that was a little more maintenance. I didn't have any algae growing or anything like that. So do it how often you need to. This thing is not in a place I go very often. It's next to my humidifier. So I usually turn on my humidifier if I can every other day, if I really can every day, but realistically it's every other day. So I'm going over there at least every other day to make sure it has moisture. So there was one time I actually left on a weekend to go see my sister and I forgot to ask my fiance to fill up the like five inch, four or five inch saucer and water it. And it was significant browning that happened when I got back. I noticed even just those few extra days of not having water at all. So I had to cut it back. I probably had to cut about like maybe 10 stems off of it, but overall the plant health was totally fine. It was just those stems that died back. So this is literally the key to your success. The other thing is that maidenhair fern love high humidity. So if you can provide extra humidity, put it near a humidifier. If you have a bright bathroom, leave it in there, anything like that, that will also be amazing for the plant. Since mine's by the humidifier, it's doing well. I honestly think the constant moisture is much more important than the higher humidity. So just throwing that out there. But again, the water requirements are the key to your success. I just wanted to change my tone so I get your attention. (laughs) Okay, so that's water requirements. Big explanation, but it's literally the most important thing. So let's jump into fertilizer and propagation. So for fertilizer, not much has changed for me except the actual product. I reached out to Fox Farm. Fox Farm is a brand. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. I just really like them. I like their brand. I know they're a good hardy brand. They're not cheap. I'll put that out there. They're a little bit higher in price. Not the highest price, but they are higher. And I use their potting mix, their Happy Frog potting mix currently, along with Espoma's Perlite. But I wanted to use their fertilizer because I heard it's very good. They've been around for a long time and been successful with that. So I asked, I actually reached out and asked them what the best fertilizer was because it wasn't pointed out on their website. They recommended either the Grow Big Liquid Concentrated Fertilizer or the Happy Frog All-Purpose Dry Granular Fertilizer. So I picked the Grow Big just because I like to fertilize when I'm watering. I used to use the dry fertilizer, but I just wanted more control over my fertilizer. So that's why I chose the liquid one. And currently, I'm still fertilizing every two weeks, about half to three-fourths the recommended amount, basically through February, from February through October, and then I'll probably fertilize one more time in winter around December. They actually recommend fertilizing, it says, at a rate of two to three teaspoons per gallon of water once a week. So this is for all houseplants, but as I was researching, a lot of resources said for Main hair ferns specifically, these are a little bit more sensitive to fertilizer. So you want to cut back or use a specific kind of fertilizer. So f- to me, it's not worth to find a specific kind of fertilizer, but I would definitely cut back a little bit on fertilizing these. So for example, I fertilize every two weeks. They're recommending you can do it once a week. I'm personally going to stick to the every two weeks. That way I'm not fertilizing as much and the maidenhair ferns aren't getting fertilized as much. Now for my other plants, I may increase it to one week. Some of the plants I do want to get bigger, for example, all the plants I'm trying to grow for the wedding, I might increase them. But I'm just going to stick to the two weeks that, as I always say, I would rather under-fertilize than over-fertilize. So I'm also going to read what Plantipedia said because that explains 
the fertilizing situation a little bit more. And this is specifically only to the brittle maidenhair fern. It says, Adiantum tenarum is very sensitive to fertilizer. So always use a fertilizer that is specifically cited for delicate ferns and be sure to dilute it half strength. So if you're using organic fertilizer like Fox Farm or something that is concentrated that you trust, or at least I trust it, it's up to you whether or not you trust it, um, I'm going to stick with that kind of fertilizer and not go try to find any fertilizers specifically for ferns because one, I've never seen one before. I've seen specific houseplant fertilizers and maybe that's that might be what they're talking about. And two, that's just too much work. I will just make sure I am diluting it and cutting it how it needs to be based on the recommended amount. Capiche? Okay. So fertilizer, again, always up to you, but I did change my product and I will link it on my products I use page and I will link it directly in the blog as well, just so you have it. I will also link that dry fertilizer just in case you want to check it out as well. They don't sell it directly on their website, but I do have links to Amazon and you can find it at a lot of local garden centers. I don't believe they sell to big box stores. So there's that. So let's dive into propagation. Super simple maidenhair ferns spread by rhizomes. This is very similar. Um, if you know what irises are, they are also spreading by rhizomes. And in your own landscape, when you split iris, you literally cut it down the middle and take a shovel down the middle. And that is what you do with maidenhair ferns. The main way of propagating is by division for maidenhair ferns. Just make sure the plant is a little bit more mature or you have maybe stems on either side of the rhizome you're cutting or whatnot. It might take time to recover, so don't be afraid of that. Just be prepared for it. So super simple propagation stuff. Okay, now let's jump into the fun facts and then we'll go into the Instagram Q&A. I know I said fun facts. It's other facts on the blog post, but guess what? They're fun facts today. So this plant, the maidenhair fern, is part of the Pteridaceae family, and it starts with a PT, like pterodactyl, so I just thought that was a fun fact. So Pteridaceae family, it's native to many places, and it actually depends on the variety you're looking at, but anywhere from North America, South America, Central America, Africa, New Zealand, and Australia. The adiantum word comes from the Greek word adiantos, meaning unwetted, so this really refers to the plant's water repellent foliage. So the foliage is super, super lightweight and thin and any kind of wind or whatnot will just knock off moisture. So that is actually where that comes from. Natively, this grows on in moist, moist areas, moist ledges or in between rocks and commonly found around waterfalls. These in your house can grow upwards of 24 inches wide. Usually they're a little shorter than they are wider depending on your environment and the variety you have. And ideally, on the underside of your leaves, you may actually find these brownish spots. They're called fern spores. That actually means your plant is really healthy and it wants to propagate itself and spread itself. So this is actually pretty healthy. Sometimes people get these confused as scale because scale is little brown dots as well. But these are almost like a powdery feeling to them if you touch them because obviously they're spores. So those will happen on your leaves. Currently, mine does have it on some of the leaves and it just looks like it's kind of spreading through the leaf. It's currently in the brighter area on the plant. It has all the spores and it looks like it's kind of going up the leaves. So that's cool. 
So don't be afraid of that. That is natural. That only means that your plant is happy and it wants to propagate itself other places. The next fact is that I think I've talked about this a couple times now, but fern fronds, aka fern stems, will brown and die off. It's very natural, so don't be too alarmed if you are giving them that constant moisture and increased humidity. This can be completely natural. Just trim them off every once in a while because it's going to happen no matter what. Don't let it freak you out too much. Now, if you're noticing that like the edges of all of the leaves are starting to brown, that might be a moisture humidity problem. So just wanted to throw that out there. Don't be too scared if some of them are dying off. Another fact that I found as I was doing research online is these are invasive to Hawaii or the Hawaiian Islands. So I always like to throw this out there, especially if I'm finding it online right away. That means it's got to be bad. So check your local invasive species list if you live in warm or humid climates specifically. It's not even just maidenhair fern. I mean, I know pothos are also invasive to the Hawaiian Islands. So just check if you're living in those areas what will work for you. If you're going to keep them confined as houseplants, that's fine, but make sure you're not throwing them out or putting them in an area that it could be invasive to other places. So there's that. The next is these are not toxic to pets or humans. And I did record podcast 31 all about toxicity, so you can check that out. And I also have the corresponding blog. I tagged both of them in the blog post. And last fact is that ginkgo trees are also sometimes called maidenhair trees because their leaves are shaped so similar to a maidenhair fern. I thought that was cool. I didn't know that, but it's so totally true. Ginkgo trees are one of my favorites, at least here in the Midwest. Usually they're yellow in fall, and when they drop, they all of a sudden drop like almost all their leaves in one spot, and it just looks like a giant yellow circle around the base of your tree until it gets windy. It's so pretty. So that was another fun fact. All right, let's get into the Instagram Q&A. So every time a new podcast is coming out, I have asked followers to just ask me any questions about the plant or the topic. It can be literally anything. There are no dumb questions out there whatsoever. I don't even care if you know I'm going to cover it. Ask it again simply because it's a good point to reiterate reiterate it sometimes. So usually on my stories, I will post a question box a couple of times to catch any questions. Otherwise, Sometimes there's a post that it's coming up soon and you can comment there. You're also welcome to just private message me and ask me the question and I will save it for next time as well. So I've got two questions today. The first one is, is there an easier variety of fern to care for than others or harder? So I would say there are many ferns, most ferns that are easier than this one. I think there are cousins of the maidenhaired fern like commonly called silver dollar maidenhair fern that aren't technically maidenhair fern that could be just as difficult. I also think staghorn fern is also one of those that are difficult for some people simply because they are like air plants. They're epiphytes so they like to grow on moss or walls or whatever. So that's a little bit more difficult for people. Ferns in general typically need more moisture than your average houseplant and that is why people find them difficult because they're higher maintenance. So if you're a houseplant person and you know your plants inside and out, you do well with a lot of plants and you want to try a bunch of ferns, I would say go for it. 
I'm sitting next to my giant canna. Sorry, it scared the crap out of me. One of the blooms just fell down. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, so I would say if you're ready to try ferns, I wouldn't start with maidenhair fern. I'd try something like easier varieties. Like asparagus fern is one of the easiest varieties I have ever had. Boston fern is also pretty easy. Kimberly queen ferns and tiger ferns are all very similar. In garden centers in spring, hanging baskets, usually you'll, you can find a big Boston fern or Kimberly queen fern. The tiger ferns are really cool. They're variegated. They're like lime green and dark green variegated ferns. Asparagus ferns are pokey. I don't know why. I think it's just how the stems are and they're super, super thin leaves. I don't even know. I don't even know if you could call them leaves. They're like needles almost, but they grow really fast and I have a ton of them because I'm going to use them for the wedding too, but they're so easy. So if you want to stick with easier, I would recommend asparagus fern, Boston fern, Kimberly queen, or tiger fern as the easier varieties. So there are other things like rabbit's foot fern, button fern, um, maidenhair fern, obviously that are tend to be a little bit more difficult of all of those. I would think maidenhair fern is more difficult to me from what I've experienced, button fern is also very difficult simply because it does need a higher moisture content as well. So that's my two cents about that. The next and last question is why is it called maidenhaired fern? Which I loved this question. I never get these kinds of questions and I always like to dive into more facts about plants. So this was fun. So I found a couple of different resources that said the same thing. So specifically Adiantum capillus veneris the Capillus veneris literally translates to Venus's hair, and it's said that the stems look like dark strands of hair, which they really do, people. And that is probably where it comes from, but probably why it's called maidenhair fern, because it's derived from the Venus's hair, Latin name, so bada bing, bada boom. That is why, I believe. I have no idea specifically, but a lot of places said that. The maiden's hair part, not sure how it got there, but Venus's hair is a direct translation for that botanical name. Okay, that's what I got for you today, people. Thanks for listening to episode 43 of Houseplant Homebody, all about the maidenhair fern. Don't forget to check out the blog posts that correspond to this podcast. If you go to houseplant-homebody.com and go to the blog tab, you'll find it there. Also, there are links to Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Houseplant Homebody LLC on my website. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast and make sure you're doing all the commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast, my blog, and social media posts. I love to hear from all of you and what you've learned through your own experience or through this podcast. And you can also help support your favorite podcast and blog by joining me on Patreon for early access to podcasts, exclusive content, and exclusive podcasts. So your support means everything to me and I am very excited to keep bringing you plant bios and information. And don't forget to check back every other Tuesday for more podcasts and corresponding blog posts. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time. Well, hello, I'm back again as always at the end, but I wanted to point out a few things. Um, a couple things I hadn't talked about before, but the first one I want to talk about was maybe if you follow me on social media, you might have noticed that I might be sh sharing more infographics and just different things lately than I ever normally have. I never really announced that I was changing things up, but I am a little bit. So I'm trying to 
post things or share things that are much more helpful on a day-to-day than just a picture of a plant with a description on Instagram, something you could easily save and see it later. So I just want to point that out. I, I am starting to do that. So if you don't follow me on social media, these little tools and resources that I'll be posting more often are gonna be super helpful. The next thing is if you really like my content and you don't wanna miss it, you can get notifications whenever I post on Instagram or Facebook. So I just wanted to quickly walk through how you do that because I do that with a couple accounts, but I never thought to even say anything to you guys about it. So first on Instagram, if you go to the Houseplant Homebody page, in the top right, you'll find a bell icon. And when you tap that, it offers you to get notifications specifically about Houseplant Homebody for posts, stories, reels, IGTVs. You can just choose what you want to actually get notified about. And that's the way to get notified on Instagram right away when I post things. On Facebook, I believe there's a little dot, dot, dot next to whether or not you're you like my account or you follow my account. And next to that, it will say follow settings. And as long as you hit Houseplant Homebody as your favorites, you will get notifications. And from there, there's other drop downs or of what you specifically are going to get notified about, notified about. But I just want to throw that out there. That is for Instagram and Facebook. I also thought I should mention that my website has a membership side to it. I set it up in the very beginning and I never really said anything about it just because I didn't I didn't know exactly what it all did. So it's basically to get notifications when blogs are posted and you are able to comment and like the blogs if you are a member. So I believe if you want to sign in, it's like your name and your email, and then you will get an email every time a blog posts automatically. I don't send those out individually. They just automatically get sent out. So if you want notifications from my website that blogs are posted, you can do that. As a fair warning, I post all blogs at midnight central time. So if you always have your notifications on your phone, you will be getting that email notification at midnight, at least central time. So I also wanted to point that out because I don't think I ever explained that to anyone and I've never really played with it too much. I kind of wanted to see what else I could do with it to see if I could give you guys anything else, but it's totally free. So I really encourage you to comment on the blog post there. Like if you have extra questions that you never asked before and now you're kind of curious because you got the plant you're having issues or it's doing well and you just want to tell me that's a really good spot to do it. So just want to throw that out there. The third and last topic is I've talked about this many times and it's brought up in all of the intro and outros for these podcasts, but if you are loving the content and you want to help me out and houseplant homebody out even more, you can become a Patreon member. So for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, it's literally a platform that helps raise funds for artists and creators of all kind. It's free for us creators to use. There is a fee that comes out of the payments that people send to you. So for example, I have a three to $10 payment per month for anyone that wants to subscribe and there are specific benefits per level. And a certain percentage of that goes to the Patreon website and the rest of it is put in funds for Houseplant Homebody to use. So I wanna give you an example of what I recently did with all these funds that I've accumulated over time. I hadn't done much with it because I was just saving to eventually pay for the website and pay for the podcast platform again because I knew that was coming around in 2022. But 
on my website, I had been thinking about getting an e-commerce website and I was able to upgrade the website to an e-commerce website. So because of my Patreon members, I was able to do that. And there's still tons of money left over for anything renewal wise that I have to go through next year. So I just want to throw that out there. If you want to help me just basic operations and keep moving this business forward, you're welcome to do that as well. If not, just keep following me, commenting, engaging with all my stuff. That is just as important, honestly. So thank you to everyone out there supporting me and hope you guys have a wonderful week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.